Hi there, I'm your host Macaulay Tucker and you're listening to The Macaulay Tucker Show, the podcast where I sit down with some of the most accomplished and fascinating individuals in the entertainment and business industry. From celebrities to industry leaders, our guests offer unique perspectives and inspiring stories that will educate and inform you. Join me as I sit down with my next guest to cover their humble beginnings, challenges they face, as well as their accomplishments in life. You are bound to learn something new, so sit back and enjoy the interview. In this episode of the Macaulay Tucker Show, we're going to sit down with Christian. He is one of the world's most premier hairstylists, and in this episode, we're just going to sit down and learn more about his life. He's had his work appear in many, 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 many Vogue magazines. He's worked with so many countless uh, celebrities. He's even created iconic hairstyles that we know and love today. So sit back, and I think you'll enjoy this interview a lot. And so I just kind of wanted to ask you, you know, straight at the beginning, can you talk about what that means, you know, to you and how you would explain that to people like me? Basically, you know, what what do you do? What do you do for a living? What does a top hairstylist look like? It, 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 it is it doesn't really translate in a feeling. But yes, and it is a big label. It just kind of creeps up on you uh, on a day to day basis because of uh, every act counts. As good as your job the last day um how it happened is another story i, mm-hmm. I will get to that, but how to carry that label is uh, not a big deal it flashes through my mind sometimes when mm-hmm. i walk through the grocery store or sit on the toilet and I, <laughs> by myself people consider me one of the best Globally, you said. Well, yeah, because <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the earth, and uh, the earth is so huge, and the the, the the subject hair is so universal. To get up there, it's is is a satisfying feat. Me, for sure. Yeah, uh, but it is not something that you walk around with every day. Uh, uh, I still have to go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then, how do you get there, you said? How would you explain that, like, to, to somebody like me, you explain what, what you what you did, what you do for, for a living, um, just for people who don't really know what that looks like? You get there, I got there unknowingly. Okay. Completely unknowingly. You You have ambition. And you have a job or you look for work and you get your work and you come from somewhere and you strive to get ahead. Getting ahead, looking back, is many, 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 many days and even many, many, many more hours. Mm-hmm. And God, how many jobs? One after the other, one after the other, every day. Um, and those every days are not... Um, are not in the in the view of trying to become the best they are only about trying to do a good job that day and that is what I've always had uh, in my mind do a good job that day yeah and over the long run you realize hey that counts up. 
day after day after day. And if you don't burn your bridges, it keeps counting up. You burn your bridges, you, you lose. You don't burn your bridges, it keeps piling up. And in my particular case, my particular quirky way of work, and not only that, the essence of what I felt about my profession and about my work was uh, uh, basically faithfully followed every single day. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I say, that counts up and people um, slowly <laughs> but surely can't ignore you anymore <laughs> because you become the, or it becomes, your work becomes uh, visible and noted by a bigger and bigger and bigger audience. Now, granted, very quickly, my audience was superbly humongous. When I was 22, I realized my name was printed in Harper's Bazaar or Vogue seven million times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, okay, well, it, it didn't, it made me feel good. Yeah. But you don't realize it's just a month. It's just yeah. a pain. People go, pop, 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 pop. But it counts up. Yes. Many years of that counts up. So, um, and it is not you who says you are among the best of the world. It's them mm -hmm. who say that or who, who give you that throne. Um, well, that's the bottom line. Yeah, that, that is deep. And that, that, answered, that answered my question. Um, and again, looking back, you, you've lived a wonderful life. You were extremely lucky to be involved in, in so many things. I know your initial steps in this career uh, was hairstyling. It began in your father's uh, you know, barbershop in your homeland of Holland. And after you know, growing in your skills, you embarked on a journey that led you to New York City. Uh, but your entrance into the American fashion and beauty world uh, took a twist because it was due to a case of a mis you know mistaken identity. Um, and I wanted to ask you, you know, this case, you know, of a mistaken identity that led you to your invitation to observe the New York salons. You know, how how did that impact your career, and how would your life look differently if that had never happened? Hey, buddy, <laughs> it's like. Uh... You got two doors. You got one door and you got another door. Mm -hmm. I took that door. That was the door of his mistaken identity. I made the best of it. I have no idea what is behind the other door. I probably would have been good. But no, that door for sure was, uh, as I keep calling it, it was a lucky fluke. Uh, um, I made the best of it. Yes while I didn't have a clue exactly what was exactly going on, how, how come I was there? I didn't question it. I just followed uh, the, the space after the door. And it was 
super in my favor. People liked me. They liked what I looked like. They started calling me cute. I hated it. What cute I was. Uh, I did good hair. They threw all kinds of people at me in the beginning to test me. Um, I passed the test over and over and all these people together, uh, the result of their uh, observations and recommendations obviously uh, were positive enough to for the company to make me creative director of Bergdorf Goodman. Uh, less than three, four months after I arrived in New York and started working there for $70 home take money a week. Um, and I was flabbergasted. I, I was super quiet because I didn't want to trip over my words or over, I, I couldn't hardly, I spoke English, but not very much. Mm -hmm. I had to start all of that there too. So I was very quiet and I just took the cues and, uh, the ABCs and, uh, and, and got my confidence up more and more until uh, um, um, I was recognized to a degree. I was sent to various high-profile situations like mm. uh, the Johnny Carson show or the March of Dime fashion show in the Waldorf Astoria ballroom. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a kid from a village, but I was sent there and uh, and and featured, mm -hmm. featured in print. And if the fashion show was finished, I was allowed to come out and get a bow. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so that all was one thing after another, and uh, until it uh, until it settled down a bit. Mm -hmm. it, uh, in the early, uh, in the end of the 60s, which at the same time, not only was it overwhelming in one end that I, and I was able to withstand the overwhelming wavy kind of thing and come out decent on the other side, on the other side of the wave, uh, you have to remember socially too, women, gay people, it, it was all like a, it was all like basically a, a tumbling machine to me, mm -hmm. but uh, I passed. Yes. And uh, when it all settled down, I had my confidence and I started sprouting further ideas. I came up with an idea for a beauty parlor that did only um, take care of the daughters of the or preferably the daughters of the fancy people from fifth and park that came into that beauty salon that i had only known then up to then and always felt like these daughters they don't want to come to this fancy salon they want something by themselves they want to just wash their hair that was basically part of my spiel also i did not want to support that nailed down hair that people have to say don't touch me don't touch me <laughs> And I can't go swimming under the water. You know, I didn't. Wanna, I wanted the opposite, so that focused on the on the kids of these of these people. And I started this little beauty parlor. Um, 
and on the sixth floor at Burg of Goodman. Well, things went kind of uh, haywire there where uh, I felt they under credited me. They took all my assistants, started that place, and mm -hmm. I never my name there related anymore. And so the and then other things, oh yeah. Uh they decided everybody should wear blue uniforms, blue suits. <laughs> and I had just come back from Paris, went shopping at Pierre Gardin. <laughs> and I bought brown suits. <laughs> I didn't want to go blue suits when I had new brown suits. Anyway, the bottom line was you better go. So I, the next thing you know, two years later, I'm standing on the side of the on the sidewalk, and I and I have no job. Right. Uh, somewhat traumatic, mm -hmm. obviously, because I may have had my confidence at that point. But um, you know, still, there you are in New York. I also was newly wet at that point. Uh, with my wife Mariana, who's still my wife, and uh, 55 years later. Um, and so, what are you, what, 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 what are you going to do? But you know, guess what? <laughs> At Berg of Goodman, I had uh, solidified a good relationship with most of the, with a lot of the fashion editors that had been sent to me originally when I had arrived for the for the company to uh, what do you call that to evaluate me they had given free passes to all these beauty editor and fashion editors to come to the beauty salon to meet me to get a quaff thing and by the time i got fired they were still they were they were good with me and mm -hmm. the next thing you know i slowly started being able to uh, getting asked anyway to go on shoots, which basically until that time was the realm of Kenneth with his five assistants, Suga, Maury, et cetera, who worked under the under the umbrella of Kenneth, Suga for Kenneth, Suga for Kenneth, uh, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden I was Christian, hair <laughs> by Christian, alone, no more beauties alone. <laughs> and that's, that's was the beginning of my my freelance career. I appreciate you uh, sharing that. And again, you know, even through all these, you know, situations, you know, a busy life, you, you learn and you grow and everything that happens, even the small mistakes and the challenges, you, you grow and you, you become a better person and you become uh, more skilled at the career that you're in. And again, you left, you left a big mark. You were involved in a lot of really cool things. Your influence extended beyond, you know, hairstyling. You played, you know, a crucial role in defining the looks of, you know, models and celebrities. But I wanted to kind of ask you, you know, you've mentioned before that your cutting approach became less confined and more liberal over time. Could you elaborate on how you, your creative process has evolved since you started out to even now? I kind of, the, my first, I first faced cutting technique, regimental situation, nothing to do with my father, barbershop, although mm -hmm. that back in the late, in the early eighties, when I did the buzz and stuff, which is basically what I did in my father's barbershop. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the women's department, Vidal Sassoon was king. His, uh, his approach to cutting was superbly rigid and precise, painfully rigid and precise. 
everybody went that way, needed to learn that way. I tried a little bit, but it was stifling. Mm -hmm. On top of that, the entire result still didn't fit in my theory of the future of free hair. No matter how sharp the lines were drawn and cut, it still did not allow for come out of the shower and go to work or make love, go into bed and forget about it, you know, or something. It just, it, it, it wasn't completely there either. That wasn't, it, so it didn't completely fit into my uh, thing. So I, I went slowly, crabbled away from there and I did, and there was, I think there was a, my antidote to the sharpness of things because I realized I, I for a long time had a, an image in my head of two horses running one whose tail was cut perfectly straight and another one whose tail was raggedy do you know mm -hmm. now if you see them both running the blonde tail goes uh, yeah, like a like an ocean liner in, in the sea mm -hmm. the other one is like a, a bunch of fishing boats <laughs> just jumping left and right in the water um and having had a a, a a taste at the end of the hippie time in New York, 67, 68, uh, Central Park, you saw them all, we were in there, I went to Woodstock, Woodstock. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw that hair. Yeah. That hair. <laughs> so I quietly changed my mode. I became much freer in cutting hair. Mm -hmm. I've always had the one the one method called effilé in French that somehow I must have picked up in, in my Dutch hairdressing school that I went to for half a year, um, which, which kind of breaks the solidness instead of cutting like this, it cuts, it goes like that. You know, no, that, and I always felt because of those two horses, that gives more freedom to a person's head of hair. Um, but then again, you know, all these, you get these opinions, and you get these uh, the Dutch word stockpartje. I don't know what that is. They're the the poles that you hold on to for a while that become your uh, your uh, your way of doing things, but everything becomes, you know, maybe, maybe not. And so I was always looking, I'm always looking for, I was always thinking of other things. And uh, again, the seventies when the Bobs um, Karen Bjornsson, Halston, very strict and boom, they, nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So one day she comes over and boom, I take one side off. Bingo! <laughs> mm -hmm. That goes all over the world. You even, <laughs> you know, you, you get uh, lauded for that. 
um, Grace Jones comes over. It was not my idea. It was the middle of the night. Um, but I'm able and willing. He was such a fantastic person. Mm -hmm. And living outside of my living room, outside of my bedroom over there, screaming, it comes over, and I want this shaved. Nothing about the top yet. So, okay, we, we shaved the side, and then the top we made flat. Boom, all over the world. Yeah. Uh, where's your name attached? That That is the thing. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how all these things work a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but, you know, and then that, so it goes on that way. Uh, what's next? Um, the computer stuff starts. I'm thinking digital, pluses and minus, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So that's how I got to the digit head. Of my son coming out of the pool, his hair stuck to his head. Um, so at that point, I cannot do this, or I can. So I just took the scissor and I started cutting it uh, plus minus, plus minus, plus minus, plus minus. Um, those things make a mark. Yes, you know, and. Uh, even though people, you know, everybody's looking for things to do. I know thousands of hairdressers, but I've been lucky enough to hit certain marks that, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you can do <laughs> Cool. Because then the next thing, of course, the big thing is, uh, is Bonnie Berman's uh, buzz in Milan. It was brewing in my brains for a while. And I was in a superb group of people in a situation that was ripe for anything, basically. Not exactly, because folk completely disavowed any knowledge of the whole thing for years, for a year and a half. Um, but we did it. And the Bonnie Berman thing, the buzz, shaved the back of her head. Was tip was designed with that in mind that they wouldn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so we could go back to work the next day and make believe it didn't exist. Except in the middle of my doing it, the editor, Polly Mellon, the great Polly Mellon, walked in and completely screamed and freaked out and walked right back. <laughs> so that was out of the bag. But uh, yeah, and I must say that well, be, between cutting uh, of, of the few things in terms of cutting hairstyle wise the buzz was a major moment mm -hmm. that took uh, the world by storm because I remember uh, Chris, uh, Marcos in Philippines uh, being dethroned and masses of people on TV. Uh, and I already saw two weeks later, people with burst haircuts. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> hey. Um, and Grace Jones too. Yeah. That just automatically went everywhere. Carl Lewis right away did uh, the little edgy thing of the same 
of the same thing. Also, so I hit very relevant marks in terms of people's hair, how people live with their hair. And that always was my uh, my uh, core, the, so the soul of my doing. Hmm. That is what I had as a, I can't say mission, but it was a mission. <laughs> yeah. Because, because I wouldn't do the other stuff. Yeah. I, I to go there. I wanted, I, everybody that came up to, would come up to me. I would test in terms of uh, real or not, because I was into real. If yeah. they say no, move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to a wedding the other day. Uh, and uh, lots of girls, lots of women, and I'm like, uh, like I mean, and lots of women I didn't know, but I couldn't help myself but go like, extensions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just have a sickness about. Uh, I do, you know, I do have a hard time with certain trends and I try not to follow them but mm -hmm. you you cannot uh, you cannot avoid them besides that you're not alone mm -hmm. there are other people with influence and uh, but I can be uh, super proud of that my particular focus hit the right spot for the last 30, 40, 50 years, and I must say, uh, lives, continues. Because even that bus thing, yeah. after I first did it, 1984, Milan, a couple of weeks later, the editor of GQ, good friend Jim, says, Can we do it for GQ? Mm -hmm. Oh man, this is after his boss, the head of Condé Nast, had already forbidden every editor to even touch the thing. He cannot, we don't want to see that. It's not feminine. It's not, well. Yeah. Goes, eh, I like it, but let's, let's have a shoot. So we did a shoot with Arthur and a whole bunch of models, famous picture of the guy with his hair and the here and there. Um, Marcus. Uh, but anyway, um, it was canned not to be published so that kind of killed it at that time but guess what 30 years later it's the biggest thing yeah completely is the picture of man's hair right now it's going to change soon because it's been a little it's been a while yeah your hair <laughs> basically a version of what i learned in my father's barbershop yeah, I just it into another. Uh, all right, I think I talked enough, right? Yeah. So I know you did the whole haircut in the park thing, which I saw a video of, and that was that was really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I really, I really enjoyed that. You know, seeing you going out and cutting people's hair, and you did kind of answer one of the questions I was going to ask. Uh, but you kind of explained that you know, living life. Obviously, your career is going to kind of impact the way you look at the world. So when you're walking around, you you you'll see people's hair and you'll kind of have ideas of what you could do and and things like that. And this is this is a question 
I was really excited to ask. I don't know why, but you know, I I get my hair done and I enjoy having a conversation with the the barber, things like that, you know, getting into conversations. And so I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, you you've been able to work with countless people. I, I only know a few, like, you know, Lady Gaga and a bunch of other individuals, you know. I would love to hear your process. You know, when you have clients that you're sitting down and styling their hair, do you chat with them or do you prefer to be more quiet? Uh, could you, you know, give us ideas on how, what this looks like? And even with people that you don't know, you have no idea who they are. You're just working with them. Basically, what does your approach look like? Uh, on the top of it, I prefer to be quiet. Mm, okay. But that is when you, when I'm, when, the, when the action happens. Uh, Around it, it is very important that you have, uh, that you get the vibe mm -hmm. right. Uh, very often, I mean, earlier, I have come to the conclusion that uh, the, prequel, the prequel of a haircut is touch and feel. Touch and feel. Mm -hmm. To, to get the, to get the, you know, it's a social situation, even though it's a physical interaction between two people. Mm -hmm. But it is, it's, it is actually uh, touching mm -hmm. and touching more than any other profession in the world. Even makeup doesn't come near it. You have to touch, you have to feel, mm -hmm. you have to, and if you touch, when you touch, you give mm -hmm. a sense. And the touch gives the sense, gives a sense back to you. And that is what you need to be able to read well. Because if you don't read that well, you trip. Mm -hmm. you, you, you completely trip. Um, and so that's the touch and feel. Feel too always yeah. was it to me. It's one thing about touching people, you know, you, 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 as I just explained, uh, feel feel is when you when you, where you get a sense of the vibe that the touch gives you, that the result of the touch, uh, and this has nothing to do yet with the texture of the hair or or anything. It, this is just a personal. Inter interaction. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> I've been accused of overdoing it. <laughs> feel uh, and the result, and the, because you can misread sometimes. But yeah, of course, uh, this sounds all very delicate, and it's not necessarily all very delicate. It can be very uh, open and raw, and this and that. But in the back. Of your head, you have to be able to accumulate all of that and, so that you don't burn that little bridge between you and the person. 
-hmm. that you might otherwise be able to walk over to do a good job yeah. on the person. You know, it's uh, it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Not simple, uh, but I've always felt that to be the the cue, the clue of the whole social interaction of uh, of hair between the the stylist and the, and the person, which doesn't exist with makeup or nails or any other close, somewhat touchy kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't exist. The hair, the hairdresser and the person uh, whose hair you're doing, it's a little bit like sex. <laughs> she gives it to you, you give it to her. Yeah. Equal. That is the bottom line. Yeah. And sometimes it's best to to stay quiet. And that's exactly, you know, just, you know, do your do the job. And the 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 most of the communicating will just be, you know, do this, do that. And it, it must also be a joy to see them smile when they see their hair done. It that must be a joy because you're like, wow, my task is complete. I I would be actively uh yucking away, possibly, uh before. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I've gotten extremely well. People keep telling me that in uh, drawing people out. I have become an expert in thinking up questions that people are like, oh yeah, and 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 uh, and give me an and giving answers. You need that mm -hmm. if you're afraid to ask certain questions and i'm not talking about intimate necessarily although uh, i've crossed that line a thousand times but uh just who what where how what yeah just give me a little bit of open open up a little bit so i know where i am mm -hmm. bottom line absolutely um, but then when i start cutting please <laughs> i need to take i need to yeah okay yeah this is a crazy question hopefully you got an answer for this if you were to hypothetically style one last hair one last person's hair who would you want to work with it could be someone who's you know passed away or somebody that's present who would you want to cut one last time never again you know you're done for good who would you want that person to be and why uh, to style would be cleopatra and to cut would be uh, michelle obama <laughs> <laughs> simple as that simple as that and yeah. you know you oh, i'm curious i know now um looking there isn't a lot about you online i know you used to have a wiki page but there there isn't a lot from i mean there's a few articles but i know there's other things that you do besides haircutting you know clay i believe you know some art stuff but what would love to hear what sort of things are you doing now have you ever considered writing a book about your life or even a documentary a documentary is in the works uh, has been for a couple of years Okay. They're trying to get uh, the financing together, which obviously was uh, hard for a while. Um, so that is, uh, but it's by it. It is by uh, people. It's it's their project. I have no hand in it further. I, I'm just open for it. And yes, I'm uh, writing a book. Ooh. Writing. Yeah. I'm organizing all my uh, stuff so that I can at some point uh, uh, create bef either before I die or leave it for my kids to come up with it to 
make a nice record of my life for the young kids that are interested. Yeah, and I mean, I would I would love to to see that book once it's once it's finished. You know that documentary, but you know you're you've lived such an amazing life. I always ask my guests before I end the interview, uh, what would they like to pass on to any number of the people listening? You know, even advice that you've given, whether it be styling hair, an actor, any any job. What advice would you would you give? Burn bridges. Uh, yeah. Of course, everybody will say that. Be true to yourself. If, if you have found yourself, uh, and don't 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 worry about looking too hard because you are already yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just recognize it and follow the cues. But uh, you got to be kind. This mm -hmm. whole right now, or not right now, or in the past. I'm a big history buff lately uh, uh, and i'm shocked to see that yeah even if a little bit of american history uh, so much so much garbage so much crap so much fighting mm -hmm. among, not to speak not to talk about uh, europe where i come from and england mm -hmm. was like one big murderous scene for a thousand years in holland and then the slavery and the this and the that yeah and then we got Russia going, and we thought it was all going to be all right. And then we got one guy who's got yeah. another thing going, and, uh, and we're back where we started uh, 20 years ago. Even though all my friends were, oh, we're over it. We're all going to be friends together. And then it, and then we don't. And yeah. then we got Trump over here. And oh, yay, yay. Yeah. No, there is only one answer, man. Uh, not greedy don't be too greedy and please be kind please mm -hmm. be kind friendly to each other there is no reason not to be friendly to each other no reason not to be kind to each other bottom line as far as I can see it